Bonjour tout le monde. That means hello everyone. It's great to be with you. I introduce our family. Salut, c'est bien de vous voir ce matin. Et quand je vous regarde, j'ai l'impression qu'il n'y a pas une seule personne ici qui comprenne un seul mot de ce que je dis. Est-ce que j'ai raison? Oui. That means, hi, it's nice to be here with you this morning. And as I'm talking to you, I have the impression that there's not a single person here who's understanding a word of what I'm saying. Am I right? Yeah. Well, if I talk to people in France like this, they're going to look at me the same way. Where we go, they don't speak English. And so we have to talk like that. And they understand it just fine. And isn't it wonderful that God understands them all? People all over the world praying in how many languages all at the same time, and God can keep them all straight. We have a big God. Anyway, my name is Kirsten. Je m'appelle Rebecca, j'ai 12 ans. That means I'm Rebecca, and I'm 12 years old. Je m'appelle Jeanne, et j'ai 10 ans. That means my name is Jean, and I'm 10 years old. Je m'appelle Jonathan, et j'ai 6 ans. That means my name is Jonathan, and I'm 6 years old. My name is Ed, and I'm not going to tell you how old I am. <laughs> but it's great to be with you this morning. Thank you, Pastor, for inviting us to come. It's a pleasure to be here. And uh, as you probably figured out, we are missionaries to France. Uh, our last term, from 2010 to 2014, we were in the city of Lyon. It's the uh, second largest city in France, right about where their flame is. And we were there to partner with the only Assembly of God church there in a city of uh, about 2 million people. And we partnered with them to help plant another church. I'm happy to report that that church is doing well. Currently about 150 uh, adults and children now gather together to worship and praise the same God as you and I. On Sunday afternoons and Tuesday evenings, we have an evangelistic service. It's a short one-hour service. People can invite their friends, their neighbors, their colleagues from work, just to hear a clear gospel message. And nearly every week, we're seeing at least one new person at one of these services. And most times, this is the first time they've ever been to church in their lives. And so we're just excited about all that God is doing. We have street witnessing teams that go out to the subway entrances and exits to pass out invitations to these services, but also just engage in conversation with anyone who will stop to talk. Our last year there in the field, we passed out about 50,000 pieces of literature, but also spoke to about 5,000 people there on the streets of Lyon. Lastly, I was involved in media ministry. The church in Lyon has an internet radio station and I was able to partner with three men from Madagascar to produce a weekly radio broadcast in Malagasy, the language of Madagascar. Now, I don't actually speak any Malagasy, but these three men, this is the language they grew up speaking, and I have some experience with broadcasting. And by partnering together, we were able to reach just another segment of the population, the Malagasy living in, uh, living in Lyon. There are about 6,000 Malagasy there, not to mention in Paris and other parts of the country. You know, I just find it amazing how God works things out sometimes. You know, I had no idea there were even any Malagasy living in Lyon, let alone what they were. But, you know, while we were there, God made that connection and put us together with them so that we could reach the Malagasy living in France. You know, as I mentioned, uh, you know, in 2010 when we left for the field, we went to the city of Lyon. At the time, there were about a million and a half people. There was one Assembly of God church and just a few other Bible-believing churches there in a city of this size. Well, now just, what, four or five years later, the city has grown to over two million people, but there's now four Assembly of God churches and 10 other evangelical churches there in the city of Lyon. Now, we were just part of one of those church plants, 
You know, but the prayers for us didn't just affect us and the work that we were doing. You know, God called us to go to Lyon, but he also sent a missionary from Brazil who came to Lyon. A missionary from Korea came planted a church. A missionary from Australia came and planted a church. Some of the existing churches caught the vision, began to reach out and plant other churches there in the city. So that we saw the number of churches grow from four to 14 in just a few short years. We're just amazed at the just tremendous growth that we saw. You know, normally when you think of France, you don't think of a mission field. But once you look beyond the monuments and the image, what you'll see are lost and dying people. Even this morning in France, over 99% of the population are lost without God. 96% of towns in France don't even have a single evangelical church of any denomination. In fact, 80% of the French people, they've never even seen a Bible, let alone read one. France is about 80% atheist, about 15% Muslim, yet only about 0.7% are born-again believers. You know, last year in the city of Lyon, 2014, about 14,500 people passed away, went on into eternity. Of that number, maybe 1,500 had an opportunity to hear the gospel and make a decision one way or the other. That means just in one city, about 13,000 people died and never in their life did they hear that their sins could be forgiven. They never knew how to get to heaven. They never knew that they didn't have to enter eternity without Christ. These are the people we need to reach. These are the ones that we're asking you to pray for. And I believe everyone has the right to hear the gospel at least once in their lifetime and make a decision one way or the other. It says in Romans 10, chapter 4, verse 14 and 15, But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? It's exciting to me that we can partner together to bring the gospel to the unreached in France. God has called some to go. He's called others to stay and to send. And so this morning I want to ask you two things. I want to ask you two questions this morning. The first question is, will you give? Now, there's a couple ways you can give today. First of all, you can give of your time in prayer. We need your prayers. When we're on the field, if something good happens, we know it's a direct result of somebody back home who's praying for us. On the table when you walked in, you may have seen some of these bookmarks. I want to ask you to, to stop by and pick one of these up. Stick it in your Bible, put it on your refrigerator, whichever you open most often. But put it somewhere you'll see it. That when you see it, you'll remember to pray for us, but also to pray for the French people. You know, another way you can give today is of your finances. France is, not an ex France is an expensive place to live. When we left the field, gasoline was $8.50 a gallon. We're not allowed to get a job while we're there in France because the French government requires us to sign a sworn statement saying we will not work while we're there in the country because they don't want us taking away a job from a French person. So it requires us to raise our support here in the U.S. before we can leave for the field. We are leaving on October 1st. I bought our tickets on Friday. We are only lacking about $100 a month in monthly support. And so I just want to ask you if you would prayerfully consider partnering with us on a monthly basis for the next four years to, to send us to bring the gospel 
to those who have never heard. The second question I want to ask you this morning is will you go? There are 66 million people in France, yet there's only 10 Assembly of God missionaries. We can't possibly reach them all ourselves. That's over 6 million apiece. So I want to ask you, sometime this week during your prayer time, would you ask God, what are you calling me to do? Are you calling me to go? Maybe to work with us or go somewhere else in France? Are you calling us to stay and to send those that you're calling to go? Would you do that with me? Sometime this week during your prayer time, ask God, what are you calling me to do? Are you calling me to go? Are you calling me to stay and to send? And whatever God calls you to do, as long as you're obedient, as we partner together, those of us who are going and those of us who are sending, we'll see God do some incredible things. Amen? Amen. Amen. So don't forget after the service, stop by the table, pick up a bookmark, and please pray. When I get into the message this morning, today I'm going to talk to you about the topic of prayer. But first, why don't we open in a word of prayer? Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful today that already we've had the opportunity to worship you. Lord, I ask you to speak to our hearts today, that you would change our lives, that we would not leave here today the same as we arrived. In your holy name I pray. Amen. Amen. So today I'm going to talk to you about prayer. Why? Because it's the only thing that always works. Yes, the first thing we do as a Christian. It's the la often the last thing we do before we leave this life. In the in-between time, prayer is the one thing that gets us through the day, if we will pray. So I believe we can all agree, for a Christian, prayer is the most important thing we can do. Is that right? Okay. So if prayer is that important, then there's a couple things we need to be sure of. First of all, we, we need to make sure that we are praying. You know, I can get a parent and preach on prayer. You can read a book on prayer. You can do a study on prayer. But unless we're actually praying, it doesn't do us any good. You know, I can get up here and talk about cars, talk about the engine, the transmission. But until I actually get out there, get behind the wheel, start that car and drive somewhere, it doesn't do me a lot of good. Prayer is the same way. The power comes in the doing. It's when we're praying that we can see the power of God. So once we make sure that we are praying, the second thing is to make sure we're praying in the right way. So what is prayer? Prayer is just talking to God. I talk to him, he talks to me. That's prayer. Two-way communication. You know, prayer can be ceremonial. Maybe you think back to the day you gave your heart to the Lord. I was five years old at a vacation Bible school at a little church near where I grew up. They asked all the kids who were there that day, who wants to ask Jesus to become their Lord and Savior, to forgive their sins? And I raised my hand. They had all the kids who raised their hand that day come up to the front. They took us off to a little room off to the side of the sanctuary. And to this day, I can still remember what the paneling and the carpeting looked like in that little room as I knelt down and asked Jesus to forgive my sins. Why? Because it was important to me. It was the day that Jesus forgave me, became my Lord and Savior. But most of the time, our prayers are just talking to God, like he's the one person you can trust, the one person you can count on who's always there, anytime, anywhere. You know, prayer can be an official meeting. Anyone here ever feel like you're doing business with God? <laughs> I have a friend of mine who was in the Korean War. From a foxhole, he prayed this prayer. He said, God, God in you get me out of this alive, I will serve you for the rest of my days. He is now 87 years old, living down in Pensacola, Florida. 
And he's been serving God ever since that day. Yeah, but most of the time, our prayers aren't like that. You know, sometimes we're just talking to him, just sharing with him what's going on. Here's the situation in our life. This has happened or this has happened or this person said this. What do I do? And God has a way of speaking to us through his word, through the Holy Spirit, giving us that next step, giving us a solution to that issue that we're facing. What prayer is not? Prayer is not something flippant, like God is our buddy. You know, Hebrew prayers begin with, Baruch Adonai which means, Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe. The beginning of their prayers, they're reminding themselves who it is they're addressing. We're going before the King of the universe. Jesus taught his disciples to pray a prayer that begins, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We're going before a holy God. You know, we can't treat God like he's just like us. First of all, because he isn't. But secondly, it isn't good for us. It's too easy for us to forget how awesome and holy and powerful he is. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans and be the most effective. You know, I think of Peter as he's sinking in the Sea of Galilee. And he cries out, Lord, save me. Jesus reaches down his hand, pulls him out of the water. They get back in the boat. Or maybe my son Jonathan, if he's doing something difficult for a little boy to do, he'll just say, He'll get on his knees and say, Jesus, please help me. Those simple prayers can be so effective. You know, prayer is not a psychological trip, something we just do to make ourselves feel better. Our God listens and he speaks. This sets him apart from all the other gods of this world. Out there today, there are Buddhists, Hindus, animists, Muslims, pagans of all kinds who are living in fear of their God. If they don't do the, say the right prayers at the right times of the day or do certain sacrifices, they're afraid something horrible is going to happen to them. They live in the fear of punishment, where we live in the joy of the relationship. Hallelujah. Yeah, I was on the streets of Lyon one day. I was talking to a Muslim man. We were kind of going back and forth for about 20 minutes when I realized I just wasn't getting anywhere with him. So I stopped and I asked him, do you know God? And he thought for a second, and then he responded, no, I don't know God. In his false religion, he couldn't know his God. We don't have that separation. We don't just do what some God demands because we're afraid we're going to be punished if we don't. We obey our God because of the relationship we have, because of all the things that he's done for us, because of the love that he has for us. We obey our God because we are saved. It's exactly the opposite. Our God is not like these other gods. He wants to hear from us. Thanks. You see how that works? I can, in the middle of doing something important, preach into you this morning. But one dad for my daughter, she's got my full attention. The same is true with our Heavenly Father. He's moving all over the world in different nations, in different people's lives, drawing them to himself. But one cry for one of his children, and he is right there, ready to hear us, ready to hear our prayers. God wants to talk to us, and he wants us to talk to him. You know, I have three kids. You met them just a few minutes ago. If my kids aren't speaking to me, there's something wrong with our relationship, wouldn't you say? If I'm not speaking to my kids, again, there's something wrong with that relationship. The same is true with our Heavenly Father. If we're not spending time talking to Him in prayer, there's something wrong with our relationship. Now, God can do anything. He is all-powerful. He can do whatever He wants. And I believe sometimes He limits Himself. 
He holds back, waiting for us to pray to him, waiting for us to call out to him. And then when we do, he moves in and answers our prayers. That's how much he wants to hear from us. That he is all-powerful, but he will limit himself, holding back, waiting for us to speak to him. If you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to turn to John chapter 17. John chapter 17. This is a prayer Jesus prays right before he goes to the cross. But in this prayer, I believe he gives us a pattern for three different types of prayer. First of all, he begins praying for himself. Then he prays for those around him. And then lastly, he prays for those who are far away. Or maybe I could say it another way. Prayers that make a difference in me. Prayers that make a difference in my world. And prayers that make a difference in God's world. So if you're there in John chapter 17, I'll begin reading in verse 1. John 17, verse 1. It says, After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. Now here in Jesus' prayer, he begins by praying for himself. This isn't being selfish. This is knowing that in order to do God's will, I'm going to need God's help. You know, sometimes we can fall into the trap of thinking, well, if God's called me to do something, I can just sit back on the sailboat of life, and those winds of the Spirit are going to blow me across calm seas. I'm going to get to the other side, and it's all just going to work out. Now, how many know it doesn't really work that way? <laughs> you know, sometimes while you're in the middle there, those winds start to blow, and those waves start to crash. You start to wonder, am I even going to make it? Am I even going to finish what God's called me to do? You know, I think of the disciples crossing the Sea of Galilee. They're about halfway across the sea, and the, the winds start to blow. The waves start crashing. Some of these men were professional fishermen, and they're afraid they're going to die. This boat's going to capsize. They're all going to drown. Well, Jesus is in the back of the boat sleeping, so what do they do? They wake him up, and they say, Jesus, you've got to do something. We're all going to die. And he gets up, and he says, peace be still. And the winds stop. The waves die down. And these men look at one another and say, who is this man? And going through that storm, they were able to see the hand of God. They saw that Jesus had power over the wind and the waves. You know, the same is true in our lives. You know, sometimes we face these trials and these storms, but it's in going through those storms that we can see that God is more powerful than that situation that we're in. Because the truth is, we get to know him better through the trials and the storms that we face than we ever do from the blessings he pours out on us. Because it's in going through those storms, we can see the hand of God. Prayers that make a difference in me. This is the prayer of getting saved. I mentioned how I was five years old at a VBS when I gave my heart to Jesus. Prayers that make a difference in me. This is the prayer of getting called. I was at a mission service much like this one. It was on a Sunday night, and I was sitting on the right side about halfway back. And as the missionary was preaching that night, I just felt this burning in my heart. I didn't know what it was, but I knew at the end of the service, I needed to be down at the altars. Conclusion of the service, I literally ran down the aisle. When I hit the front, I just began to weep. I didn't know why. I'd never done that before. But as I knelt there and prayed, God spoke to me and said, I want you to be a missionary to France. Now, I'd love to tell you how spiritual I was, but honestly, I just started asking God a lot of questions. How does this work, and what do I do, and what do we do with our house? What do I tell my wife? He gave me this verse, Matthew 6, 33. It says, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. At that moment, that just spoke to me and said, keep your focus on me, what I've called you to do. I'll take care of the concerns and the questions you have. So I went to share, share with my wife what God had spoke to me that night and found out that two weeks earlier, 
God had already spoken to her. Now, her response to God was, I'm not going to tell Ed. You have to tell him yourself. <laughs> but two weeks later that Sunday evening, God spoke to me and confirmed what he'd already spoken to her, that he wanted us to be missionaries. Prayers that make a difference in me. You, these, are the par- the, these are the prayers that set my course, that give me direction, or get me through the day, or anytime I feel like I'm in over my head. You know, one thing I noticed as I was studying this passage, here Jesus is about to go to the cross. He's going to be whipped, beaten, stripped naked, humiliated in front of all those people. And what does he pray? He says, glorify me that I may glorify you. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't think of being humiliated as being more glorious. You know, I think of glory, I think of maybe the wide receiver, and he catches that pass and makes it into the end zone for a touchdown. The crowd is going wild. He's basking in the glory. But Jesus prayed, glorify me that I may glorify you. Because I believe he knew where the real glory was. And this one act of obedience was one of the greatest things he ever accomplished in his life. It was his greatest victory, the redemption of mankind, salvation of the world, bringing you and I back into right relationship with the Father. You know, God may lead you to do something that's difficult or maybe even embarrassing. I encourage you to be obedient. And in your act of obedience, it could be one of the greatest things you ever accomplish in your life. Even as Jesus was obedient unto death. Prayers that make a difference in me. Next, let's go back to John 17. Look at verses 9 to 11. Prayers that make a difference in my world. John 17, verses 9 to 11. It says, I pray for them, as the disciples. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one, as we are one. You know, these are prayers of people that we know. Maybe those here in the family of believers, lost loved ones, our parents, our children, our coworkers, our neighbors. This is stepping a bit further out. It's one thing to believe that my prayers can change my life, but that my prayers can have an impact on the life of somebody that I know that takes a little more faith. But it's believing that in a visible way, I'm going to see God answer my prayers for somebody else. <clears throat> we had a Korean young man in one of our cell groups. He had been abandoned at an orphanage as an infant, was adopted out to a family, had a horrible childhood growing up, was even homeless for a while before he met him and he joined our cell group. One day he came to us and he said, you know, maybe the reason my life has been so bad is, well, I'm Korean. I've never been back to Korea. So he decided he was going to take a one-month trip back to Korea. He was working a job, had saved up enough money to buy a ticket, and he said he had maybe $60 left over. So my wife and I kind of counseled him and said, well, you know, $60 isn't, isn't going to go very far. Maybe you should save up some more money, maybe learn some Korean, figure out what you're going to do when you get there. And he said, no, my mind's made up. I've already bought my ticket. I'm leaving. And so my wife and I just prayed, God, you've got to watch out for him because he doesn't know what he's doing. So he's on the plane on his way over to Seoul. And he begins talking to the man in the seat next to him. And while they're, while they're talking, the man figures out that he doesn't have a place to stay. And so he invites him and says, hey, why don't you come and live with me for a while? So he says, great, I appreciate it, thank you. So they arrive in, in Korea. They go to baggage claim, get their luggage. They're walking through the airport. 
He looks over. He sees a man holding up a sign with his name on it. He thinks, wow, that's odd. That's my name. And so he goes over and talks to the man. Turns out the man is there for him. He's from an organization who helps people who are adopted out as children to try to reunite them with their birth parents. Somebody who knew of his trip, knew of this organization, went ahead and called on his behalf, told him who he was, when he was coming, why he was going to be there. They already had a place lined up for him to stay. They took him to the orphanage where he was as a baby. They put him on television so he could tell his story, hoping his mother or father would see this and call the station. They showed him around. They took him to Prayer Mountain one day. And while he was there, a man walked up to him and said, I really feel like God's telling me to give you this, handed him $200. He was somewhere else in the country. Somebody just walked up and gave him $100. You know, he had more money when he came back than he had when he left. God's answers were so much bigger than our prayers. You know, when you're praying for people, I don't know about you, but sometimes during the week I can be trying to think, okay, now somebody asked me to pray for them on Sunday. Who was it and what was the need? Well, one thing you can do is make, make up a prayer ledger. Just get a little notebook, divide it up into four columns. In the first column you put the date. The next column you put the prayer request, what it is you want to pray about. And then two columns here at the end are labeled yes and no. And that's where you write the date that God answered your prayer. You know, sometimes God answers our prayers yes. Sometimes he tells us no just like we do with our kids. So one thing this allows you to do is during your prayer time, you can look back and say, okay, I need to pray for this person. This person needs a healing. This person needs a job. But also, you can go back and see all the times in the past where God has answered your prayers. I remember when God healed this person. I remember when God did this, when God met this need, when God gave this person a job. It can be tremendous encouragement during your prayer time. So I just encourage you, just get a little notebook, something simple, Divide it into four columns and make yourself a prayer ledger. So prayers that make a difference in my world. Next, prayers that make a difference in God's world. Let's go back to John 17. Look at verses 7, uh, 20 and 21. John 17, verses 20 and 21. It says, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. These are prayers for people that we have never met. We may meet them in heaven one day. Someone from France may come up to you and say, thank you so much for praying for me. Because of your prayers, I heard the gospel and I believed. You, this takes another kind of faith. It's one thing to believe that my prayers can change my life. Or maybe that my prayers can have an impact on the life of somebody that I know. But that my prayers right here in Whitehall, Wisconsin, can change the life of somebody seven time zones, 5,000 miles away, in a country where you, you don't even speak the language. But it's believing that God is the master of time and space, that the things I pray right here can impact the life of somebody on the other side of the world. Prayers that make a difference in God's world. Just before we came back from the field, there was a missionary down in Marseille who works with street children, mostly gypsies, and she decided she wanted to do a vacation Bible school for these kids that she'd been working with. So she called us up and asked if we would come down to Marseille and help her put on a VBS. So we took a week, went down to Marseille. Now, I don't know if you know anything about French geography. Marseille is right on the coast, on the Mediterranean. They have beautiful weather, sunshine 360 days out of the year. And so we decided we'd do our, our VBS Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday afternoon. Planned everything to be outside so we'd have the most space for the kids that are going to be coming. 
We put in one of, one of our newsletters, asking people back home to pray for us, but also to pray for those kids that would be coming, that their lives would be changed. You know, but it seemed like every single day something went wrong. <laughs> there was some obstacle to be overcome. Wednesday morning we woke up, it was pouring rain. We're just looking at each other wondering, what are we going to do? Because we didn't have enough room inside to bring all these kids that were coming. But we remembered that we had people back home who were praying for us. And so we just joined our prayers with yours. And we said, God, you know what has to happen. These clouds need to break. The sun needs to come out and dry all this up so we can have this VBS outside for these kids that are coming today. And you know that's exactly what happened? Those clouds broke. The sun came out and dried everything up. There were more kids that day than there were the day before. By the end of that three-day VBS, 23 of those gypsy kids had given their heart to Christ. Amen. Amen. Prayers that make a difference in God's world. There was a young man named Guillaume. He moved to Lyon to go to university. There's three different universities there in Lyon. And while he was there, he got one of these invitations that somebody was passing out. And one Sunday afternoon, he came to that evangelistic service. While he was there for the very first time in his life, he heard the gospel. He heard how his sins could be forgiven, how he could become a new creation. And that day he said, this is what I've been looking for. And that day Guillaume gave his heart to the Lord. Guillaume's not actively involved in the church. He does whatever needs to be done around the building. He works with the youth group. He updates the church website. We'll get there early on Sunday morning. He's already out front sweeping the sidewalk, making sure everything looks perfect for those who will arrive that day. Prayers that make a difference in God's world. Or there was a young woman named Laurence. She was working in the IT field doing tech support when a girlfriend of hers invited her to come to church on a Tuesday night. While she was there, also for the very first time in her life, she heard how her sins could be forgiven, how her past could be wiped away, how she could have a new life. She said, this is for me. And Laurence gave her heart to the Lord as well. Laurence also works with the youth group. Helps out with the nursery on Sunday morning. Prayers that make a difference in God's world. This is the difference that our prayers make. Lives are changed. People hear the good news and make Jesus their Lord and Savior. So how do we know what to pray? Well, I can make it easy for you. If you go out to our table in the entryway there, there's a sign-up sheet for our newsletter. Every one of our newsletters has prayer requests, ways you can pray for us and pray for the French people. But you know, sometimes things come up that we don't have time to put in a newsletter. What do we do then? Well, you know, God has a way of speaking to us. You know, you might be washing dishes. He may wake you up in the middle of the night. You just have this impression like, I really need to pray for the bucks or for one of your other missionaries or whatever need God places on your heart. When that happens, I encourage you to take some time right then and begin to pray. You may find out in a few weeks, maybe in our next newsletter, what you were praying about. You may never find out until you get to heaven, but one day you will see how God used your prayers to bring about change in someone's life. You know, sometimes we can be watching the news or, or hear about different things going on around the world. And you can just have this desire, this burden. I really need to pray for the believers in that country or for the people going through this situation, whatever it is. When God calls on your heart and calls you to pray, Take some time. Pray for those needs. God may give you an assignment to pray for us, one of your other missionaries. Whatever God is, the place is on your heart. Take some time and pray for those needs. You know, as I'm speaking this morning, 
I've talked about Laurence, Guillaume, how they gave their heart to the Lord. And maybe the message of salvation isn't clear to you today. Maybe you've heard it a hundred times before. Maybe this is the first time. Let me put it this way. God made the world, and he made it good. Now, because he made it good, he gave each of us a choice. We could choose to live our lives God's way, or we could choose to go our own way, the way of sin and destruction. Now, every one of us in this room today, we've all chosen the path of sin and destruction. We've all chosen to live our lives our own way. Now, the penalty for that choice is the death penalty. You and I each deserve to die for the sins that we have done. But God loved us so much, he didn't want to see that happen. And so he said, I will send my son to this earth. He lived a sinless life, and then he died in our place. He took the penalty for us so that we didn't have to. And because of that, we have another choice today. We can choose to accept the sacrifice that he made, repent of our sins, and from this day forward, live our life God's way. Or we can continue to go our own way, the way of sin and destruction. I want to ask everyone in this room if you would bow your heads with me this morning. All across the room, if you would bow your heads and close your eyes, I want you to look at your own heart today. Where are you with God? Have you made that choice? Have you asked God to forgive your sins, become your Lord and Savior? Or are you just putting it off for another day? I just warn you today that today is a day of salvation. We are not guaranteed tomorrow. None of us knows how many more days we have left on this earth. Just a few weeks ago, we were at a funeral for a family member. You can be here one day and gone the next. Today is the day to make that decision. I'm going to pray a prayer this morning. I'm going to ask everyone in this room to repeat it after me out loud. I'll pray first. You repeat it after me. Heavenly Father, I have sinned, and I need your forgiveness. Please forgive me of all my sins. Come into my heart and make me new. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. Be my very best friend. You gave your life for me. Help me to live my life for you. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning, and you meant that in your heart, I would welcome you into the family of God. I rejoice with you just like the angels in heaven are rejoicing today. You know, when you're born into this life as a baby, there's four things you need to do to survive. First of all, you need to breathe. Secondly, you need to eat. Thirdly, you need to exercise. And then lastly, you need to be around your family. If a newborn doesn't have those four things, they won't survive. They won't make it. You know, as a Christian, there's four things we need to do as well. First of all, we need to pray. This is just like breathing. If we're not praying as a believer, we're not going to make it. We're not going to survive. Secondly, we have to read God's Word, our Bibles. This is our spiritual food. If we're not reading our Bible, we're not going to be growing. We're going to be weak. And this can look like a huge book. Maybe the largest book you'll ever read in your life. But just four chapters a day, if you just read four chapters a day by this time next year, you'd have read the entire Bible from cover to cover. Just four chapters a day 
and you'll have read the entire Bible in a year. If you've never done that before, maybe it's been a long time since you've done it, I encourage you to start today. Thirdly, you have to exercise. This is sharing with people what God has done in your life. Talk to your parents, your kids, your neighbors, the cashier at the grocery store. Share with people what God has done in you. Lastly, you have to be around your family. Look around. This is the family of God. We are brothers and sisters in the Lord. I have three younger brothers. You know, when I was little, whoever my parents brought home from the hospital that day, that was my new brother. I had no choice in the matter whatsoever. They brought home a new baby boy. There's your new brother. Brought home another one, another brother. They brought home a third one, another brother. I had no choice who my brothers were. Sometimes we got along great. Sometimes we'd have some disagreements. We'd get into some fights sometimes. But you know, at the end of the day, we were still family. We still loved each other and had to work together. The same is true in the family of God. You don't always get to choose who sits next to you in the pew. But we're all family. Sometimes we'll get along great. Sometimes we might have some disagreements. But at the end of the day, we need to love each other and work together for the kingdom of God. Amen? Right. Amen. This is just the beginning of a lifetime of prayer. For us, prayers that make a difference in me. If you don't have a regular time you spend each day talking to God, I encourage you to start today. Find a time and a place that you can set aside. Put it in your day timer, put it in your phone, whatever you need to do to set aside that time with God. Prayers that make a difference in my world. Get out your prayer journal, prayer ledger. Begin praying for those needs you've written down. Pray for those around you. And lastly, prayers that make a difference in God's world. Pray for us. Pick up one of our bookmarks. Take two. Put one in your fridge and in your Bible. Pray for the other missionaries. Pray for those needs that God impresses you, where God puts it on your heart and says, I want you to pray for this. As we continue in prayer, we will change the world. We will see God do incredible things here in Whitehall and in France and wherever he calls us to pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to the Whitehall Assembly of God podcast. This is Pastor John Oscar, the senior pastor of Whitehall Assembly of God. If these messages have blessed you, I just encourage you to subscribe to these podcasts and you'll be able to hear every single message that comes out of Whitehall Assembly. If you are interested, go on Facebook and like us on Facebook. We do have a Facebook page, Whitehall Assembly in beautiful Whitehall, Wisconsin. We also have a website that you can visit, whitehallassembly.org. Or you can come visit us in person. We are located on the corner of Dewey Street and Sheila Street in Whitehall, Wisconsin. We hope to see you there someday. If these messages have blessed you, I'd just like to encourage you to contribute toward us being able to continue to bring them to you. You can see that on our website, top right corner of the page. If you have any questions, you can contact me at my email, pastorjohnoscar at gmail.com. If you don't mind, I would just like to take a moment to pray for you before we go today. Father God, I just ask, Lord, that every single person who listens to these messages will be brought into a deeper relationship with you through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let them experience the love and forgiveness that Jesus bought for us on Calvary's cross. I ask, Father, that you just use it to enrich their lives, that you use it to make them good ambassadors of the kingdom of God and bring them into your presence someday. Let them be fruitful, let them multiply, and let them 
be used mightily for you in these last days. Father, I commit them to your care now. In Jesus' name, amen. God richly bless you.